Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host Veronica. And I'm your host Destiny. We're happy to... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi guys, how is it going? We're happy to be here today. It's been a couple weeks. That it has. Um, only like... Well, I guess like a week for, for them. For you guys, it's been a week, but for for us, it's been longer. It yeah. has been since we recorded, at least. I mean, we've definitely seen each other. True that. Like yeah. a week ago or something. Over yeah. a week ago. Holy, like yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, dude. What the heck? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a while, guys. It's been a while. It's been a while. We're happy to be back. We are. And before we jump into things, I wanted to see if uh, you could do us a few things if you haven't already. Um, if you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Crime Wives Pod. And I guess mostly this is something I feel like we should say at the end, Like, but I'm going to say it here. If you guys get done listening to us and you feel like you want to hear a story told by us that you maybe you're familiar with or you haven't ever heard covered before, please send your recommendations to Crime Wives Pod at, is it po- Crime Wives Podcast? Dang it! Crime Wives Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that being said, how was everything, Destiny? <laughs> so obviously, you guys, if you've listened to any episodes before, you know I just got married about a week and a half ago. Um, and then literally the next day jumped on a plane and went to Kauai, which we'll just start with the wedding. We had rehearsal. That went great. The weather was great. I it was. I was so nervous about the weather. The, the clouds were time. real sketchy, but the weather was great. The weather was great. There was no rain. It was perfectly just sunny and beautiful. There was emotions. I was crying. My, <laughs> there was emotions. My brother was crying. Oh Alex was crying. Like, Dude, your brother was... cries and every person cries. I yeah. just need that to be known. <laughs> well, and then when Alex like got up and danced with his mom, <gasps> and then he just started like uncontrolled, I was like, oh my... Everybody's losing it. Everybody's yes. losing I was it. Like, and turns out this is a sad day and a happy day. <laughs> Are those happy tears? Oh my gosh! Yes. Hopefully, tears everywhere. Um, but so yeah, I mean, it was and it went very smoothly. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing where I was like, oh my god, this isn't happening. Yeah. I did forget to do a hashtag, but oh, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. That's by fine. Me. People still took a ton of pictures. I did. It was it was a super good time. It was like. Just this, yeah, it went smooth. It went super smooth. Yeah, I was very pleased. Beautiful. All those colors came together. I was like, oh, it is nice. I'm it's so, so romantic. Right? I was so happy with how everything just turned out in general. I'm so excited to get my pictures back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it went great. We're married. Nobody ran away. Nobody ran away. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Um, <laughs> and then the next day we left for Kauai. Oh, yes. Oh, was... so many Snapchats we received before of Destiny dying. And then just going to, she's like, I don't want to do this. I'm still hungover from the wedding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be in bed for the rest of my life. I know my mom came over and dropped off all of our presents. And I was like, <laughs> and she just looks at me and she's like, this is going to be rough for you. And I had to pack that morning. Oh, so I woke up and I was like, I hate everyone. I hate my life. <laughs> Alex, go get me a bacon burrito. And he had to like pick up Shane. And it it's was... amazing how a hangover can can ruin a real beautiful time. <laughs> right? Where you're like, I'm married. I'm so happy. I hate everyone. I'm so mad. <laughs> but we went to Kauai for a week and it was beautiful. The weather was great. 
Um, Every picture was like, drink outside, drink outside. I'm like, oh, she is living. She's, <laughs> she's living her best life. <laughs> living the life right now. Yeah, no, and it's it was just gorgeous, and there was great food, great drinks. It's way more of a local island. So I think I sent you that one where this lady, the bartender, offered me a freaking avocado. That was huge. It was literally like a melon. And I was like, oh my, that's a, that's a what? I was like, eat it. And eat I was it like, right there. I can't take it. I'm leaving today. And she's like, oh, that's sad. Like, she gave I... it to someone else. Oh, and I was like, man, my avocado. Oh my gosh. I would have been like, can I use your kitchen real quick? I'll go in the back and just cut it up and I'll eat it right here. <laughs> right. Is that all right? Um, but yeah, and then we got back. I went back to work the exact same day, like two hours oh. after we flew in i did not know you're going back to work the day you got back from your yeah so we got back at like 10 and i went to work at one. Oh my gosh and i've literally just been going since then i had wow. my dart league i had meal prepping just and now i'm here right back into it <laughs> and tomorrow i already have plans and then i just want to nap oh. but positive i'm doing as of right now, oh my gosh. sober October. <laughs> Folks, it is October 2nd. We are recording on October 2nd. I need that to be known so that we can come back and tune in next week. <laughs> and see where I'm at. And she's like, I'm doing Sober Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, I have Darts Tuesdays. Or ah, shoot. Maybe Mondays. Oh, Mondays are a sober day for sure. Always, yeah. It can't it be Wednesdays be. because we record those days. Except for today. Yeah. Where yeah. you're joining me and not drinking wine. Oh, yes. And it, every time we drink out of our water glasses that are our usual wine glasses it's depressing we cry to ourselves yeah there's tears fine <laughs> um so yeah that was my just very eventful last couple weeks yes what about you absolutely nothing <laughs> i mean you were at my wedding so yeah. thanks Al. well you told all the great parts of the wedding it was did great. i it was okay <laughs> we talked about the parts that felt like talking about <laughs> yeah the parts that are good for the public if yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, know yeah. some secrets send us a message yeah please send us a message if you want to know secrets i can't <laughs> we'll give a couple and we won't even give names we'll just be like okay well something like this happened. this person and this person happened and they're like what and you're like, you don't know we can't tell you <laughs> that'll be fun uh no i've got just been i think the last episode that we had lincoln had just started school yeah so uh he turns out he can actually go to school without having sad meltdowns and he's very into it now and he, granted before we leave every day he's like do i have to and i'm like oh my gosh this is he hasn't even started first grade yet like yeah because <laughs> he's only he's like half days certain days or tuesdays and thursdays half days and he goes every like before i get him there why do I have to go to school every day? I'm like, it's Thursday. <laughs> like, you've gone twice. He, You're like, mm. I'm like, this is the life I already have. This is, so, honestly, we've just, I've been, I spent the summer all over the place, and um, I had a sitter for him sometimes during the day, so I kind of had this, like, silence at home while I did off, actual office things that's back to normal it's back to lincoln there and appointments and school and so um it is it's like it's actually kind of been nice to not have anything else to do because yeah. i probably cancel plans a lot <laughs> you're like don't want to hang so, out with you. i yeah. mean i do but i can't so. yeah so that's it actually for me and you're taking a lot of great fall pictures and sending me a lot of folly things and yes I appreciate ooh, it. Ooh. <laughs> what about the boob meme <laughs> yeah i was like geez. i was like thank you i didn't know i needed this I'm like while i have you here we're talking about podcast stuff i'm like oh also let me send you these weird boobs and <laughs> uh <laughs> i appreciated it i didn't know why i appreciated it but i looked at it and i was like 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Was, first of all, it was funny. Second of all, <laughs> that's what being friends with me is like to me. <laughs> right? As she's sitting here in a skeleton t-shirt. I Yeah. I have... I. I have nothing to say to that. That's just who I am. You get boob memes and I'm in a skeleton shirt. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm here for it. Okay, so what are you going to be talking about this week? Okay, so what I'm talking about is going to be, um, it's a dark one. Just throwing that out there. Um, this is not actually what this is called. I called it this because... Of course, it's October 2nd, and so in my brain, I kept thinking we were recording on October 1st, so I was like, oh, we're recording on October 1st, better do something that's Halloween-themed, and which is awful to look up. I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> I was yes, like, oh, I'm depressed, so, which is generally what happens when I research stuff for this, but, um, so I called this one Halloween Murder, it just takes place on Halloween. Okay, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yes. I'm also, not going to lie to you. I was going to do a Halloween one, which oh, I yes. told you earlier, uh-huh. but then I found, I kept looking and kept looking and then I found this one and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, at first I was going to do honeymoon murders. Oh, because, it, oh, that would have been good. It would have been, but I was like, these are all real crazy. Yeah. There's I could, some... I probably, I shouldn't. Let's go to you. <laughs> Let's go back to me. Okay. So. Um, first of all, the one thing that I just had, I was like, oh, this is a great website. Here's the thing. Some of the information is going to be conflicting. I always like to, for some reason, I like to explain myself. No, I mean, that's really good to know. In some areas, it says like a number will be 266. And then on the other website, it was like 218. I'm like, those are such specific freaking numbers. Yeah. (laughs) And so different. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, why are they so vastly different? Uh, so... Uh, I will point that out if I can, but the websites are, one of them was an ABC News article of, uh, they did a story on one of the people in this and then interviewed this person. And then the other one's called here's the fucking twist.com. Um, that's the greatest <laughs> like, thing I've heard. Great website. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I got pretty, uh, these are the only place I use, but because of that, if you happen to know the story and you know these details and you hear me say uh, information that sounds incorrect, it's because I was reading very conflicting information. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so it was early 2014 when two friends who'd recently met had hit it off so well that they decided to rent a house together on the west side of town in Napa Valley, California. And I put in my little, you know, my little side note. It's like, this sounds like the beginning of a really cute rom-com. Like, it does. It really opens in a happy scene. I like how Napa you man. definitely think that. Because I was like, is this going to be like Scream? Um, whoa! <laughs> Weird that you would say that. Okay. So, um, the, of course you'd see the opposite. I was like, oh, it's Napa Valley. Wine and sunshine. <laughs> and California and happy things. Sorry, my bad. Okay. Negative Nancy over here. Yeah, it's fine. Or down or destiny. Ooh. <laughs> I? I was trying to think of yeah. Okay. I mixed feelings about that one. Me too. It actually sounds way <laughs> worse. Sounds like a drug. <laughs> down oh, or no. destiny. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on from your nickname. Sorry about it. So the roommates um, that moved in together, or the, these two girls that I'm talking about, are Lauren Menza who was an all-state athlete with a political science degree, and Adrian Insagna, a civil engineer with the city's sanitation district. 
so they just were two girls that were working and they were two for the most I think working um and these single girls that just moved in together and things were great on the day that they had moved in together, they had a couple of friends um, come help them move things in. Uh, this friend group consisted of Adrian's friend, Ben Katz, and then her other friends, Lily Prudhomme, and her fiancé, Eric Koppel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Prudhomme correctly, but... I like it, though. Sorry. Yes. It's like Prudhomme. Nope, Prudhomme. I'm saying Prudhomme. Okay. <laughs> And then, so all their, it basically, it's like a typical moving day. Uh, everyone gets together, you all help your friends, and then afterwards they had, like, some celebrations in the backyard, like, impromptu Yeah, sort of thing. I loved helping you move. Yeah. Oh, you, did you? <laughs> Destiny was hungover. Okay. <laughs> That's a fun way to tell a lot of your stories. <laughs> Destiny was hungover. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> okay. So. They all move in, um, and there was there's a lot of names that are going to be thrown around a lot, so okay. that's why I usually I'd be like, they're friends, blah, 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 but Lily, her fiancé, Eric, and then um, this other guy that we're friends with, too. Okay, so as I've mentioned, the focus of the story is on Lauren and Adrian, and then in walks new friend. In late summer of that same year, the two were introduced to uh, Leslie Mazara. Um, Leslie is described as a, quote, a bubbly former beauty queen with a South Carolina, or from South Carolina, who worked as a public relations specialist. So she was wow. a beauty queen and a public relations specialist, so she's great. So Leslie um, had worked with Lauren and Adrian's friend, um, the Lily Prudhomme, and uh, or yeah, Lily and her fiance Eric introduced her to the girls um, at one of those gatherings that they were having at the house. So gotcha. again, lots of names going around here, but the main focus again is Lauren, Adrian, Leslie. They all live in this house together now. Oh, so Leslie moved in with them. Yes. So okay, okay. that's the next part. Sorry. Uh, the three hit it off so well. Leslie was invited towards the end of the summer to move in with them. Okay. So. Yes, by the end of summer, she lived in the house as well, and it uh, seemed like they were just all obviously, like, super successful women just living together and... Super chummy. Yeah, in freaking Napa Valley, which sounds great. <laughs> so now we're going to flash forward to October 31st of the same year. So they hadn't been well, living that's together. Halloween, and you already gave me a little spoiler there, so. I mean, I named it not Halloween night, so, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um... It's about to get dark. Okay, moving on. Uh, the roommates had decided to stay home that evening and hand out candy to trick-or-treaters. After the candy had been handed out, it was just after 11 p.m. when all the girls decided to go to bed. So they just stayed home, handed out candy. Um, between 1 and 2 in the morning, Lauren is laying in bed and the light switches on outside of her window that's for, like, the, the garage. Sensor? Yes, the light sensor. Um Flick, flickers on and she does she just goes through the same like thought processes as the, as the rest of us would um she noticed the security light had been motioned on by the garage she says her dog started to do kind of like a warning bark but she was like she thought it was the usual light being flicked on by adrian's cat so she just does what the rest of us do like she just dismisses it yeah um but only a few minutes later she heard the sound of someone entering the house and going up the stairs but then she's like wait, wait, wait. And she's like starting to get freaked out. She's like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Leslie had just had, she basically says she remembers that Leslie had just had her new boyfriend over a few nights before and thought, 
well, maybe it was just the new boyfriend because apparently the night that the guy had been over a few nights previously, Leslie and her boyfriend had been up um, making, quote, bedroom noises all night, <laughs> you know, as roommates do. And so, again, she was like, okay, this for sure is just... Yeah, a, she's just trying to be like, don't be crazy. Boyfriend, dude, first of all, I don't want to go up there and ruin that. So, And she had, she even is quoted saying, I thought, oh, great, him. Like, not again. But she gets... So she lays back down. She it actually started to drift off to sleep. And she's woken by a terrifying commotion upstairs. And it's around that point she's like, okay, not boyfriend, definitely not cat. She's quoted later in her... In a later interview saying, I knew it was like a blood-curdling, terrified scream, she said. So, of course, she sat up and she can hear Adrienne kept screaming, saying, oh, my God, please help. Please help. So, things have changed. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So, Lauren decided to open her door and step out into the darkness because the whole house is dark. Um, She stood there, frozen in absolute fear, trying to decide what to do when suddenly the intruder came rushing down the stairs. But apparently, I, I, don't, I don't think he sees her at all. And she says, um, he was just flying down the stairs, breaking stuff as he came around, Lauren said. Her immediate reaction was to flee, so she ran, but in her panic, she ran out the back door, surrounded by a six-foot-tall fence. And so there was no easy way to get out. Jesus, could yes. you imagine? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I was writing this, and it was like getting dark, and I was like, oh my gosh, if someone comes to my house, I'm going to die. I'm going to I was so, I was like, <gasps> trying to write this out. Yeah, okay, so um, she goes out back. Someone is in her house, so instead of getting over the fence, um, she hid out back in the bushes and was like trying to listen to what was going on in the like, in the house, because she could still hear things going on. So she's, um, instead, she's out back listening, and eventually she heard the intruder struggling with the kitchen blinds near the front of the house. And then So he's still in the house? Because from what I took, is he, like, ran down the stairs and ran out a door. But he's still in the house? Well, I think you'll see why. Yeah, so he's still in the house, and she can hear him in the kitchen, and, um... It, it got quiet. She can hear him doing something with the blinds. And then it got quiet. And then she could hear Adrian's pleas for help. And so at that point, him going through the kitchen, I think she's like, okay, maybe he's leaving right now. So she stayed hidden for as long as she could until knowing if the intruder had left, or she didn't know if he had left or not, she went back into the house. She's like, okay, feels long enough. I have no idea. I don't. Yeah. A lot of time would have to go by. Yes. But okay. also those are, fr- I don't know. Okay. So, um, she gets back into the house and tries to call 911. And the line in the kitchen was dead. So that's what he mm. was in there so long doing. She He was cutting the phone lines. Okay. So, nevertheless, she quietly tiptoed upstairs uh, to Adrian's room and was met with what I can only assume was the most horrific side of her life, obviously. Um, the entire bedroom floor was covered in blood. Leslie Maserat was face down in a pile of clothes with stab wounds all over her upper body and arms. Oh my god. Uh-huh. A few feet away, Adrienne was crouched behind her, like, her own bed, still alive but no longer able to speak due to her injuries, um, and she was bleeding to death from multiple stab wounds. Like, it was pretty... Oh my god. Uh-huh. It's just this, I can't, I just can't. Okay, so... Lauren rushed back downstairs, 
noting in that same interview that she had slipped all over the place because she was running through blood. Yeah. Um, got her cell phone to call, and then she was in the middle of calling 911, and she hung up because she realized he could still be in the house. So she, like, has this moment of, like, clarity but also panic, runs outside and gets in her car and starts driving and then calls 911. And so it's just this, like, chaos. And this girl's, like, if she's got a, like, her fight or flight is flight. Like, you can tell she's, so, okay. So she gets in the car, drives away, and then the, um, in the middle of the call, she hung up. Okay. When the police and emergency crew finally arrived on scene, Leslie Mazzaro was officially pronounced dead there. Uh, but Adrian Insagna was clinging to life. Paramedics started to work on her and attempted stabilizing her, but Adrian died before they could get her to the hospital. So both girls passed away. Awful. Yes. Both women had been stabbed multiple times, and that's what they died Jesus. Of. God. Right? Garbage. Like, you're just going to bed. And then just, okay. Okay. That's a great thing for us to think about tonight. I agree. Well, now you know where my mind has been. Okay. So... Without needing to be said, this double murder was an absolute shock to the entire community of Napa Valley, which I just can't. I'm just like, it's like, this can't happen in Napa. No. Ugh. It did say, so this is where two conflicting um, information, I didn't even put this in here, but now I'm bringing it up, is that it said, on one side it said, this was the first murder they'd had in Napa in two years. And then the other one said, four years. So like, it had been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's a few years that are important. Um, But it had been a while since there had even been any sort of other murder there. Because everybody's so happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're drunk on wine. Exactly. Oh, that might be a reason for it. Oh, you're right. Okay, so two weeks after the murders, Lily Prudhomme and her fiancé Eric, who were close to the friends um, previously mentioned, they organized, like, a candle vigil for their friends, Mm -hmm. and then Lauren went to that, and it was, like, all over the news. So it starts to get pretty big, like... Because of that candlelight vigil, there was news there, and so... Yeah. Okay, so over the next 11 months, police began combing the entire crime scene as thoroughly as possible. They collected 266 items, or 218, wait, 16, depending upon which one you want (laughs) to... It's very... Yeah. Uh, 266 items of potential evidence from microscopic fibers and even cigarette butts. So... They got a lot of stuff. Yeah. And outside of the broken kitchen window, they found one tiny blood drop that didn't match any of the other women's blood in the house. What? And so eventually, they were even able to identify that the blood contained DNA of, this is the most crazy thing to me, uh, of a white male, probable North European descent. And then my own little side, I was like, science is amazing. Right? That's crazy. I'm just like, it's so specific. That's awesome. Yeah. So... Um, over the course of time, they, or the same course of time, they also interviewed 1,300 people and Holy collected shit. about 200 to possibly 220 <laughs> DNA samples. I'm like, why are these numbers so different? Okay. Of course, though, none were a match. So another thing that took place during this time were interviews with Lauren herself. Uh, police, of course, asked her if she knew or could think of anyone that would do this. And then um, she was quoted saying, it turns my world into looking around and having a suspicion about everybody. I was thinking everybody was a suspect, any of my friends, anyone I knew, which can you? Not at all. No. Okay. You were going to, she was going to say blame her. Mm-hmm. No. And I was like, I yeah, can't. there's, I, I would literally look at everybody and be like, are you going to kill me? 
Yeah, I would not trust anyone. I cannot. Ugh, okay. Not that. Well, it's like, because you're the only one left, too. It's like the only person that's a potential witness. Oh, yes. Like, I would be constantly paranoid. Um, Constantly paranoid, but also has the worst survivor's guilt. Like, yeah. so that's a huge part. She brings it up a lot, but that's like a huge part of it for her is I would, too. Absolutely, I would, because it would be that, like, I was safe. I saved myself, but also I could have saved, maybe if I could have saved my friend. Ugh, ugh, that's not even a thought I even want to. Okay, moving on. Um, for months, the investigation slowly, um, moved along until police finally honed in on those two cigarette butts, um, that were found at the scene. Eventually, labs were able to pull DNA from those, which, like, a little bit of spit, I think. From yeah. Just a doo-doo, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then they matched that DNA to the blood that was found in the kitchen. So, my next thought was, you smoked cigarettes at your crime scene, you stupid Anyways, stupid, stupid. I hate you already, but now you're dumb. (laughs) I hate you and you're stupid. This is in 2004. Like, people knew about DNA evidence being existing, and he's smoking cigarettes outside. Whatever. Okay. I'm not mad at him. He got caught. (gasps) (laughs) Spoiler! (laughs) Okay. Well, obviously, it's about to happen. Okay, so um, they. They link the two DNAs together, and then on September 22nd, 2005, so an entire year later, um, almost a full year, um, police released a statement saying they had a match on the blood DNA evidence from the scene and um, the cigarette butts, and also that they had narrowed down the cigarette brand, and that it was a very unusual brand. It was the Camel Turkish Gold. I know nothing about cigarettes. I feel like that's not that uncommon, but... Okay. Um, maybe in 2004, it maybe was Maybe in Napa. Yeah. Yeah. They're like oh, cigars Napa. down there. Yeah, they're like, you smoke? You're a joke. Gross. Okay, so police hoped that by releasing this information, that would prompt someone to make a link between the person in their life who smoked caramel Turkish gold. Camel, not caramel Turkish gold. <laughs> now they're just starting to taste good. Yeah, I was like, mm, that sounds like candy. <laughs> they're basically trying to, they're asking the, um, I almost said asking the audience. They're asking... <laughs> The viewers at home. Do you know this guy? Okay. Now that Lauren had knew that he was a smoker, she started racking her brain kind of again, obviously. Now she's like, oh, now I know smokers in my life. So um, when when she realizes that it's a smoker, she instantly has someone come to mind, actually. And the first person that came to mind was Lily Prudhomme and her um, fiancé, more specifically. His name is Eric Koppel. That guy that I mentioned when they were help, helping getting... The one that introduced them. Yes. So Lauren goes to the police with that detail, saying that she remembered Koppel. She was like, he's a very, very shy guy, not very social at all. And she told homicide detectives about that and that she had known him and um, kind of checked in a little bit later and was like, hi, have you checked out his DNA? And they were like, unfortunately, um, we've called him a few times and he hasn't responded. She's like, okay, that's it. I came to you with you, what I felt like yeah. was a pretty good lead. And um, also, I, and for whatever reason, they didn't look further into that. However, they were confident that um, with the knowledge of the DNA and the brand of cigarettes being public, it was only a matter of time before their suspect was named elsewhere. Maybe it's just because they didn't want her to like be the one to finger someone that was like, she didn't see, you know, like, I, I don't, don't know what know. it is, but... It just seems very like, strange. Oh, yeah, very, very strange. Yeah. So maybe that's not great work on their behalf, but, I mean, 
great forensic work everywhere else. Anyways, eventually the family of Koppel's friends began responding to Lauren that his brand of cigarettes was camel Turkish gold. And to the surprise of the police department, and perhaps everyone close to this case, on September 27th, only five days after the DNA evidence became public knowledge, Eric Koppel, the now husband of Adrian's friend, oh, Lily Prudhomme, mm-hmm, confessed to his family that, or confessed to his family and his new wife of the murders of Leslie Mazara and Adrian and Sagna. Thankfully, his family convinced him that he needed to turn himself in, and they even accompanied him to the station to do so. So, holy shit. That takes place. <laughs> Uh, something that is mentioned in a few places is that in uh, January 2004, when Lily Prudhomme... Ugh, ugh those parts suck. It makes me mad. Uh, in 2004, when Lily Prudhomme and Eric uh, Koppel got married, they invited Leslie and Sogna's mother because Lily was actually, like, best friends with Leslie. That's the one that moved in... Yeah. The, the blonde beauty... Mm-hmm, the beauty queen. Yeah. Okay. She's the one who gets moved in and... Um, like a little bit later, well, her and Lily were pretty close friends. And so at their wedding, um, Leslie's mom's name is Adrian, or I'm sorry, Arlene Allen. Um, she, Lily basically asked Arlene if she would read a, like a little snippet at their wedding to honor her friend that had passed away. Fucking mm-hmm. fuckity fuck. Mm-hmm. I hate him. Yeah. <sighs> yes. So essentially, she's like, "Will you read this?" And um, she said, "I want you. I want her to be honored at my wedding. That's how much she meant to me." So, here's a quote from the mom: "I never felt that he was dangerous. I never felt any kind of negative, like dangerous, sinister vibe from him at all." Arlene says, "I looked directly into both of their eyes at their wedding and read, "Love is stronger than death and passion. Fierce is the grave." I know Lily picked those verses to to honor Adrian. So, yeah. That oh my place. fucking God. Okay. For Lily's part in all of this, she says she had absolutely no idea that the man she married was responsible for their deaths. She says uh, that in the early days leading up to the confession, she knew something was off. And um, Lily ends up telling the court, I told him... Eric, there is nothing in this world that you can do that makes me love you any less. Those words are still true today. So, that's how it. are those words still true today? Fuck you. No, I'm bye. Just quotes, okay. Good. <laughs> I was so mad to read that. Okay, Eric Koppel was charged with two counts of first degree murder and pleaded guilty to both, forging a trial or for forging, foregoing a trial. I can read. After discussion with the victim's families, Koppel's attorney and the prosecution. Uh, agreed, basically, that Koppel would spend the rest of his life in prison with no possibility for parole in exchange for the death penalty being taken off the table. So, he's in prison for life? Oh my god. Yeah. He also waived, and I'm getting to the part, just, yeah, I'm not quite done. Um, He also waived his right to an appeal and his right to talk about the case to anyone except for the members of clergy basically saying that there was no media interviews allowed so if he ever wants to talk about stuff he cannot um at his sentencing hearing uh mother leslie's mother kathy harrington told koppel for the rest of your life you and your family will experience what both your victims and your loves loved ones have felt terror depression hopelessness violence i wish i could tell you that i forgive you at this time i cannot 
And finally, I pray that never again will any mother's child grow up to be a murderer. And that was one mom's. And then the other mom um, put a quote. This is Adrienne's mother. After the trial, she said, I'm pleased with the outcome. It is the best thing that could happen for all of the families involved. Um, I don't want to spend the rest of my life worrying what Mr. Koppel is doing. I want to get on with my life. I don't know if I would call this closure, but more a resolution. I loved my daughter very much, and I miss her deeply. That door will never close for me. I have suffered a terrific loss that will never go away. And the reason I really felt that it was important to put these quotes on here is mm -hmm. because to this day, they, he has never said why he did it. I was going to ask. Like, I what? was, I was go. yeah, that's why I didn't bring it up all the way until the very end. He's never said that he's done it. Or why he did it, sorry. Like, um, I don't, because it doesn't make sense. So I did put this in here that on one website, there is mention of a handwritten note that Koppel had wrote um, saying it was it was basically kind of like in a form of a suicide note mm -hmm. um, that it indicated that he was jealous of um, Leslie's or sorry in Sogna, Adrian's um, relationship with Lily. I just realized at the wedding I said the wedding was Leslie. Leslie. It's yeah, it's Adrian. Okay, Adrian's mom was the one that was there. Adrian, that's what you get when you type your own stuff. Um, Adrian and Lily were best friends. Adrian's mom's the one who said that yeah. at their wedding, all of that. Okay, so he, somewhere in the world, he wrote saying that he was jealous of their relationship, but that, I don't think it was ever, like, used in court. I, there was nowhere else well, that I could see. Well, that's like, you only kill, like, he tried to kill both of them. Yes. But, but he was in a Adrian's room. Leslie came in. Remember that she says yes. she runs upstairs and goes to Adrian, and she he was in Adrian's room, and she was the one that was crouched hiding, and so uh, that's the craziest motive to go in and stab her. That like there's you're that, more. Than... You're jealous of your literal like fiance. Like yes. she's your fiance. It's not like she's yeah. You're jealous of your fiance's friend. <laughs> Do, have, have you seen you? Yeah, I've... Peach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that seems like Hollywood crazy, but I guess there I, are men in the world that clearly... It's Napa Valley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that's it. Holy shit. I yeah. want to know why. I mean, I guess... He can't even talk about it. We Because of that, the part, like, part of the stipulations of his agreement are that he cannot talk to the media, so if anyone ever wants to do an interview, you know that's part of the reason that tons of places want to do interviews for when there's no known motive. They will always ask those kind of people, hey, why'd you do it? Or they bring them in, can we do an interview with you? So they can be like, and also, why'd you do it? To see if they'll ever talk about it live on whatever channel Jesus. they're... Yeah. I wonder if Lily still talks to him. That's what... <sighs> I couldn't find any info. Well, we're never gonna really know. I didn't even. I should have looked up if they were still married. I don't know why I forgot to do that. Oh, but they're legally married. They're le yeah, they're married. So, oh man, all I know is that a two things to be two things to add to the be afraid of list. A, your friend's fiance can just be mad at you, and, or husband. Yeah, or husband can be super jealous of you, and um, the other thing is that I can't remember what I was gonna say for the other one. Eh, doesn't matter. But still, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just bananas to me. That's I just, wild. Yeah. Also, you're an idiot. Why'd you leave your stuff there? Yeah, your cigarette butts. Just bad, bad, bad. But also good that they found him. We're happy you did. Yeah.
So anyways, there's my depressing case for Halloween. Yay! <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Halloween. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that had anything to do with the fact that he did it that day. Yeah, it seemed very... Huh. Man, I should have looked up more information about this case. I don't think that I would have found that had I tried to look it up. No. Yeah, no. Because he's, he's not going to tell his motive. He's not going to say why it happened on that day. <laughs> why he decided to do it on the... Yeah, it must be a day that he, like, could tell his wife he was out and she'd believed him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. How do you not know? I don't know. Okay, what are you doing this week? Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about Michelle Hughes. I wish you guys could see the look on Destiny's face when she just said that. (laughs) Eyebrow action. (laughs) My body's turning. Michelle Hughes. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that was kind of subconsciously, but you might figure out why later. Okay. (laughs) So, Michelle was born October 12th, 1972 in New Orleans, Louisiana. For a lot of her childhood, she bounced around from city to city due to the fact that her father was in the Air Force. Um, And then her parents ended up getting a divorce, and her mother, Sandy, remarried pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And her stepfather worked for the airline. Were any of them a raging alcoholic? Not that I know of. Okay, just thought I'd ask now. Maybe. (laughs) Um, But that made it so she also continued to bounce around a lot. Oh, yeah. Because Air Force and airlines. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. She had a thing for air men. Air. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) apparently. Um, So when Michelle was 12, her father passed away and she developed scoliosis. Oh. At 12? Yeah, at 12. How do you just... I have scoliosis. I have really bad scoliosis. I feel like I, I just have always had it. 12? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but it says that's when she did. And she ended up having, it was so severe that she had to wear a body brace for almost two years. Same. That's how, that was bad. Was it awkward? I just had to wear it when I went to bed. One time we had cats and my cat got stuck and it, it was like a kitten and I, it got stuck. I really want to, what do they look like? So they are shaped um, like a big tube but they, they put Velcro on the front of them. And so my curvature, I have an S-curve, so mine curves a little bit at the top and then a lot at the bottom. So I don't have anywhere in my back is straight. So if she was like me, she would have one that's like shaped kind of like a U. So that Interesting. it makes your, so my hips, yeah. It, but you have to sleep in it and it's the most goddamn uncomfortable thing in the freaking world. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something that would be pretty comfortable yeah no it's not and if you have small animals by you the velcro will stick onto the animals oh my and god and then when you roll over you fling kittens <laughs> it, that, that was what your life was actually like. happened i was i was like mom get the cats out of the room <laughs> yeah. mom this is awful already get them away from me i have I, I feel her on a deep level i know it was not easy <laughs> Okay, so when Sandy's relationship ended with her second husband, she moved herself and her two daughters, Michelle and Melissa, who was four years older than Michelle, back to the New Orleans area. It was said that Michelle was very bright and had always wanted to become a model. So when she was uh, at the age of 16, she stole her sister's ID and moved to New York to follow her model dreams. I mean, great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, hey... You do you, girl. Yeah. So she landed a couple modeling gigs, but was not making enough money to self-sustain herself. So she went on the hunt to find someone to take care of her. Oh, okay. Well. And it did not take her long to meet Pat Giganotti. Giganotti. Giganotti? 
It's something That's like that. awful. Shiganati. <laughs> I'm assuming... It reminds me of, like, Versace. Yeah, well, anati, anything that ends in T just sounds so Italian mob bossy. But Giganati oh. is cray-cray. <laughs> so he was an owner of a construction company who... And he was also twice her age. Uh, oh, whoa. Failed to mention that part. So... <laughs> it might be a reoccurring theme. Oh. So Michelle moved in with him almost immediately... And Pat was just literally head over heels for this girl. He was quoted saying, I come from a pretty fast place. And let me tell you, she made me feel like I was standing still. Oh. He was smitten. He was smitten. But also, that's a very strange compliment. It's, doesn't it kind of feel backwards? You make me feel like I'm doing nothing. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's like kind of almost an insult. Yeah. So he also mentioned, though, and this was after they broke up, that he believed she had a split personality. Okay, well, that's one way to get stood still. <laughs> He's like, I don't know which way to go. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm just going to stay right middle. here. I'm going to stay right here and you and all of you do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be here. But I'll be here. But just, you do you. You do you. So, but after about three years of dating, they ended up calling it quits and she moved back to New Orleans where she started waitressing. When that wasn't pulling in enough money, she decided she was going to start stripping. Okay. So not long after becoming a stripper in New Orleans, she decided to head where there was more money. And at that time, it was Alaska, thanks to the oil fields. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Get that money, girl. Mm -hmm. So in 1994, at the age of 21, Michelle packed her things and moved to Alaska with a friend. Um, And that's when she started working at the Great Alaskan Bush Company, which... I know. <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> the name? Yeah. Um, so... Is it a gardening it, place? It is a strip club. Oh, not a gardening place. All right. <laughs> and I will just, from here on out, just call it The Bush. Oh, yes. Just for you. Thank you. Um, so she did plenty of dancing. She spent a lot of her time flirting, though, and talking to multiple men who would frequently visit her there. Okay. So she had fans and was getting her money. Yeah. And they helped her maintain an average of a thousand to three thousand dollars a night. Oh, night, a night, <laughs> night. Yeah. Oh, what are you gonna do with all that money in Alaska? Hmm. So many options. <laughs> we'll see. And she eventually, um, a man actually assisted her in putting a down payment on her house. Okay, so buy a house is a great place to start. Uh, yeah. Oh, especially if someone's going to help you put a down payment on it. Uh, yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, here's Today, my boobs. tomorrow, my boobs. Here's look my... at my boobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so among the many men that frequently visited Michelle was Kent Lipnick. I'm Lipnick. sorry, what name? Lind. Was his name Kent? Kent. Kent? Oh. Yeah, we'll just stick with Kent. <laughs> um, so when I'm going to talk a little bit about Kent. Um, in 1994, Kent was 34 years old, so he was about 13 years older, mm-hmm. and he was working for a friend as a temporary fisherman in Alaska. He had recently moved to Alaska after he was caught embezzling over $100,000 from his parents' very successful grocery store chain. Oh, you're just embezzling so much money from your parents. From your family. Your dirt. Yes. Dirt. So, um... What did his parents do to him? He's not dirt. We're not going to say he's dirt. <sighs> he just was... He was different. And he... And he was dirty. He shouldn't have embezzled money from his family. But... um, He can redeem himself. Maybe. He also did a brief stint 
studying taxidermy. Oh, in Tennessee. I hate this dude. <laughs> you gotta, re- you gotta get me back. In I'm, I'm gonna get you back to a better place. So <laughs> his parents decided to go visit their son in Alaska, and we're happy to see that he was actually he had. It seemed like he had turned his life around. Good. He was working hard. Um, Not stuffing animals anymore. <laughs> No, okay. just fishing, you know, okay. doing his thing. I can support fishing, uh, Making guess. a life for himself, basically. Okay. So they decided to encourage their son to start his own commercial fishing company, and they bought him a commercial fishing bow and helped him, like, kind of get the company up and going. Oh, okay. After he took money from them, the yes. nice people. They, they, love their, they love their baby. Yeah. So while starting this career, he started frequenting the bush. <laughs> I'm so happy for him. (laughs) And he met 21-year-old Michelle. He instantly fell for her and became almost obsessive. It sounds like that's like a thing in her life, too. People like her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, He was spending thousands of dollars on her. And I heard, or I think I heard it, um, that in the first couple weeks, he spent like $15,000 on her. Oh, my God. Gosh, what a life. What a life. What a wild, cold life in Alaska. And then about a month into them kind of seeing each other inside and outside of work. Okay. Because her clients that she got a little more comfortable with, Uh she'd be like, yeah, we can like go out to dinner and stuff like that. You got to wine them and dine them so they come back and spend $15,000 on you. Exactly. (sighs) So he proposed to her. Oh, a month? Yes. And she said yes. Oh, no. And he partially moved in with Michelle. Um, but he also partially lived on his boat because he was Oh, right, fishing. right. He had a boat, and she probably had a really nice place, right? A house? Uh, yeah. She bought a house. Questionable. Okay. Which we'll get to. But he did insist on not sleeping together until they got married. Weird. Duh. Interesting. I mean, that's why probably he proposed a month into it. <laughs> He's like, right? can we get married tomorrow? Yeah. Uh no red flags here at all. No, no. Nope. None at all. Nope. I'm <laughs> I, not concerned. I do taxidermy. I embezzle $100,000 from my family also. I, and he is not the bad person in this, so let's just oh, roll it is... back. <laughs> okay, I still don't like him. <laughs> okay, okay. You might feel bad about that compliment. Compliment? Compliment. Comment. Oh, comment. Yeah, definitely not a compliment. Um, so around the time of the proposal from Kent, Michelle was also seeing Scott Hilke. Oh, who, still had a boyfriend. Yeah, so she had a fiancé, and then she was also, yeah, seeing this guy, Scott. Okay. I mean, was she, like, telling him, it's for work. You know where you met me. No. Okay. I'll get to where, I'll get it to all of it. Okay. So he was a trainer for power plants. He was newly divorced and started spending time with Michelle inside and outside of work, and eventually they started to form a relationship. His work was based out of California, so he was very in and out, but when he came to town, he stayed with Michelle and Kent. Michelle avoided any kind of jealousy by telling Kent that Scott was gay and telling Scott that Kent was gay. What what about when they needed to... Apparently they just didn't have like a very physical relationship. (gasps) Yeah, because one of them them didn't want to do naughties until wedding time. Yes, and he was also the one that partially lived on his boat. And so... How how was she not like, this is my fiancé? I have no freaking idea how this works oh she's got magic powers yeah she and she you can't even say she has a gold vagina because one of them ha- doesn't even get her vagina oh right so I'm he just, just maybe she like flashed it one time and he's like oh well wait wasn't she a stripper yeah didn't that I, where you met her he I was like no that's dude. the most beautiful vagina i've ever seen i will do whatever i need to to get inside of it 
But it's also my decision to not have sex until we're getting married. Oh, right. This is confusing. Confusing. I mean, just weird. So, uh, Michelle, like I said, avoided any kind of jealousy by... It's like side piece, meet front piece. Front piece, you're the side piece. Now meet this. But no, you're both, you're telling each other they're both gay. Oh, right. And they just didn't, I guess you don't, you don't just ask, uh, you know, ask someone their sexual orientation right when you meet them. I get, well, and this was back in like the early 90s, so it wasn't as Uh now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know how that works, but whatever. And after a few months of dating Scott, he proposed on Thanksgiving. Wasn't she married by then? No, she's just engaged. Oh, right, right. Okay. So Michelle happily accepted planning, and they said, we're going to get married next year on Thanksgiving. So she's literally, like, engaged to both of these dudes. What the hell is going on? Just wait. Oh, no. A few months after their engagement, Scott quit his job and moved in full-time with Kent and Michelle. The situation seemed odd, but both men continued in it, thinking the other one was not physically or emotionally attached to Michelle. And at this time, Scott was doing some housework and realized there was severe rot issues in her house. Okay. So when Michelle started venting to one of her regulars, John Carlin the third, um, at the bush, the okay. same one <laughs> that assisted in her purchasing the house, she started talking about the dry, the rot. Oh, and... so this is the guy that like helped her get her house? Yes. Okay. And she's like, oh my God, and now we have this rot issue, blah, blah, blah. John was a lonely single father, and he offered Michelle, Scott, and Kent to move in with him. Oh, is this fake? <laughs> I swear to God, it's not. <laughs> and I don't want to do She's like, hold on, not. let me bring both of my gay fiancés <laughs> to live with you. <laughs> they're both my fiancés. Did she tell him that? Or was she like, they're gay lovers? <laughs> Probably. Oh She's like, you gosh. guys have to share a room. This is how we live I here now. I do hate her more now. <laughs> so, John Carlin had recently came into money after suing a previous employer for lead exposure. Oh. When that money, he, with that money, he took his son and, so this is, we're backing up a little bit. Okay. Now I'm just talking to you about John. About. I should have specified. The guy that brought everyone in. Yes. Um, so he, with the money from the lead poisoning, mm-hmm. he took his son and his dying wife oh. to Alaska hmm. on what was supposed to be a vacation, but they ended up staying there. And after only a few weeks, John's wife passed away. Oh my gosh. After his wife passed, John met a local lawyer who ended up taking him to the bush where he met Michelle. At the bush. Always at that the you bush. Will never be, there's no way you'd ever be able to get me to a point where I could hear that casually and be fine with it. <laughs> the bush. I just can't. <laughs> um, so John was known to kind of pop off pretty quickly. Okay. One example of this is when he went out to dinner with a friend and had parked in a tow zone. When he returned to his car, it was in the process of getting towed. Oh. Obviously. Which is what happens when you park in a tow zone. So, John grabbed a tire iron from the back of his car and threatened the guy towing his car until he unhooked his car. I'm that Wow. Also, do you think he just had some pent-up aggression that's probably grief because his wife died when they moved to Alaska? But let's keep going. Okay. So, John's son... We're just going to call him John Jr. Because he's like the fifth. did they ever address how his wife died? She had cancer, I think. Oh, dang it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I know. I actually thought about that and I was like, wait, I heard this. Okay. So, John's son, John Jr., mm-hmm. started showing cause for concern when he threatened suicide a couple times and he expressed just a lot of emotional distress. I mean, his mom just died. He just moved to Alaska. Mm-hmm. He's like 16 years old. It's a lot. 
You're right. That's a lot. So at this time, Michelle thought it was her duty to look after John Jr. Shortly after all of this was happening, Michelle and John pulled John Jr. aside and told him they were getting married. Uh, oh, no. So this girl is literally engaged. She's to a serial engager. Scott and John. What the fart, man? And none of she- them, like, I think John knows about her relationship with both of them. So I will say that. But still, Scott and Kent are, like, in the dark. Okay. What? I have no idea. Like, I would love to be in this house. Like, a little fly on the I wall. I need a camera. Yes. Be like, what's her, going like, on? I would like to big brother rooms. Them. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're all hanging out in separate rooms. All the dudes are. And then she's going to one and just making out with that one. And then refreshing herself. <laughs> Below over here. here. Hey, other gay fields. Hey, how are Make you? Make out over here. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Golden vagina over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is the wildest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> What? So now you know why I was like honeymoon Halloween. I saw this, this and I was like, how, "Give me a minute." This is how you plague people in the '90s. You couldn't just Facebook message a bunch of girls your peepee. No, no, you had to just get them all in one house. And that's just crazy. That's I'll be right back. I gotta go. I gotta go to the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. oh. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a little while. It's going to be a while. John's in the shower, like, hiding. He's like, I've been waiting for you. It's so, that's, I can't get over how weird this is. Oh, man. Okay. Anyways. So, during the growth of this awkwardly tense living situation, Scott was offered a position out of the state. And he's like, okay, I'm leaving. Okay, bye. And he still continued a relationship with Michelle. Obviously, it wasn't, like, Someone knew something, maybe. Yeah, he was, like, continuing this relationship with Michelle, but he's, like, by this time, the wedding date that they had planned, so Uh the next Thanksgiving had, like, rolled by, and he's, like, oh, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also, these other two guys, but I'll still see you and hang out with the golden vagina, but, like, how about you start coming to me? Okay, okay. He's probably trying to get out of that weird situation. Like, you yeah. come see me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Okay. So he still wants her. <laughs> but he still wants her, yeah, okay. for sure. So Michelle would go and visit him monthly, and it was said to be, like, for weeks at a time. Okay. I watched a Snapped on this. Oh, yes. It's on yes. Snapped, just so you know. Um, I was on my lunch, and I was like, let's get this, let's get this. <laughs> of course you are. Um, I'm really busy, still. God damn it. We are still full, full-time full workers, so yes, we have to exa- be. Yeah. Exactly. So during this time, Kent and his family were telling all of their friends and family about the upcoming wedding. So they were still, like, full-on blown, and she had and made comments about buying a dress. Like the first guy she was with. Yeah. Okay. Kent, the okay. taxidermy, the one you didn't like. Right, right. So Kent's dad decided to go visit his son, because he lived out of state, okay. um, and get to know his soon-to-be daughter-in-law. Okay. But when he arrived... She was nowhere to be found. Oh, God. I thought you were going to be probably... like, she also got proposed to by his, his dad. dad. <laughs> she was probably... She probably was... could find a way to make that work. I'm yes. sure. He's, like, also married, so... Oh, right, right. That'd be real... Ooh. Yeah, it'd be worse. And the dad... The parents of Kent sound like great people, so... Okay. Well, y- you're right. They've been so supportive <laughs> exactly. of not that great of a guy. Exactly. In fact, Scott's the only one I trust. What? Do... I can't remember much about Scott, though, but... I'll tell you a little bit more about Scott. I don't have a lot in here, but... You can pick my brain. Okay. okay. So uh, they, he went and he was looking forward to meeting or talking to his soon-to-be daughter-in-law. Oh, But shit. she okay. was gone. Right. He, they were like, I don't know. And obviously Kent was upset because he's like, I wanted you to spend I time with my dad. Her. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
So at the end of his trip, Kent took his dad to the airport, and shortly after dropping him off, Kent mailed a letter to his parents. Uh Uh-oh. Like, hours after dropping him off. The letter said, do not... So there was a letter inside of a letter. Mm -hmm. And the letter said, do not read the next letter unless something happens to me. Oh, my gosh. Immediately, like, hopefully any of our parents would. Uh They got this first letter. Uh Uh-huh. And they they, read the next one. They didn't. Oh, Because it said, put this in the social security box. It said something about it having to do with insurance. And it was like, put it in there. And if something happens to me, that's when I want you to open it. Oh. So they put it, or, so they called him, though, because she, his mom was like, what the fuck? And uh-huh. she called him and was freaking, she like, was worried. Oh, hi. Yeah, what mom. do you mean? Like, what's this letter? So she called him, and he didn't answer. Oh, no. That same day, there was an electric crew working in a wooded area, uh-huh. and some workers noticed a bright red jacket. When they got closer, they discovered it was the body of Kent. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> when detectives got to the scene, they discovered that Kent had been shot, but the murder weapon was nowhere to be found. They okay. also found a second pair of footprints. Oh, right. When detectives notified his parents about Kent's death, they automatically remembered the second letter, uh-huh. and they immediately opened it. They're like, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> right? Well, we have you on the phone. Like, I have something, I have something. <laughs> yeah. So part of the letter read, this is a quote. Oh, no. And there's a video of his mom, his mom reading some of these letters, like parts of the letters. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh no, oh my gosh. when the mom's, uh-uh. Sorry. Yeah, no. So, quote, Michelle, John, or Scott were probably the person, or the people, or persons that probably killed me. Do me another favor. Make sure Michelle goes to jail for a long time. Oh my gosh. Why wouldn't you just open that? I would open it. That's a Todd Perry and I am. I am not a patient human. No, I'd be me like, either. Open, open. Also, it's from my son who says this this very cryptic message. I need to know. And then he doesn't answer your phone call? Yeah, that, like, that would have been my first. I would have called him three times, hung up, called 911, and been like, hold on, let me redo this thing. <laughs> like, exactly. oh, yikes. So obviously, this is like ding, ding, ding to the cops. They're uh-huh. like, Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gold so mine. Know. Uh-huh. The only issue was two out of the three potential people that he accused uh-huh. were out of state. Uh. At least until right before the night before he was found. Apparently, even though by this time Scott and Michelle were not dating, um, Michelle was like, "Hey, Scott, can do you want to meet me in Tahoe for just a couple days?" Uh-huh. And he said, "Yeah." He was oh. like, yeah, sure. He lived in California. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you over in Tahoe. He's like, I need an alibi. The night before Ken's body was discovered is when all of this went down. Okay. Or is when she returned. Sorry. Okay, okay. So um, she's been in Tahoe and then claims that she's in Tahoe and then gets back. Yeah, the night she before. gets the night before he his body was found. Okay. Um. So she flew home and the police started talking to Michelle and let her know Ken's been killed. She seemed pretty hysterical. I listened to, like, the recordings and everything. Uh And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they were like, tell me about the relationship between you two. And she was like, it was interesting. It was. She was basically like, it was really interesting, to say the least. We were in a relationship, but it's kind of conservative. And it also is kind of just like a cover because he's gay. She said that on the phone. She said that to the police. To the, like, 911? No, or detectives. Just... Oh, because she didn't find gotcha. the body. So the electric so crew did. So she was getting questions, gotcha. and she's so like... She's in an interview, and mm-hmm. she tells them 
He was gay. I was his cover. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So she also mentions that he had a million dollar life insurance policy that she had actually paid for and she was the main beneficiary of. You, you don't say that to the police. <laughs> Red flag. Well, but and then later on, her part of it is she was like, I was so cooperative. I told you everything that I thought would be relevant. Oh, yeah. So. But she's probably like, um, hi, I have some questions about that insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, anyone so, know? How's it going? Yeah. So little did she know that right after fa- his father's, Ken's father's visit. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. He was super upset. She didn't show up. He removed her as beneficiary and made his parents the new beneficiaries. Oh, and God. he literally, I heard this, read this, I'll say Somewhere. from where, mm-hmm. everywhere, like at the end, but it was in his jacket pocket. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I obviously don't think she, she had no anyone idea. knew. No, absolutely so, not. Well, searching for clues. Um, Why wouldn't you? It's clear. It makes me sad because you know that he suspected it by whatever they were doing or saying or whatever was going on. And instead of going to the police, he was just like, hey, parents. Uh, I think he was like, I really die. hope I'm in the wrong right now. And this is all going to go smoothly. I guess. But he moved the primary beneficiary. Whoa, that was hard for me. Beneficiaries. <laughs> That's just nuts to his parents. I just can't. I know. Okay. Like you, it's like he he knew it was coming, and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of curious to think like maybe for some other reason that's unknown to me at least Uh that he knew it was coming. Yeah, and like that he was. Did he see something? Yeah, no, he totally was suspicious. But it's strange to me that he didn't like go to the police. Like it, it almost makes it seem like he was like accepting his fate. Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's weird. It is. It's really weird. So. The detectives obviously continued to search for clues, and they found a note between John and Michelle talking about a, quote, cabin that John had purchased and telling her to enjoy her stay, implying that she would be there with another man. The police saw that this was this letter was like a hoax mm-hmm. to trick Kent into going towards the cabin. Oh. But due to lack of evidence, they really couldn't prove anything, and they couldn't say who murdered Kent. Okay. Well, that's awful. It's over. <laughs> what? I'm just I was like, what? <laughs> I just got so mad at you for a second. <laughs> so at this time, Scott was living in California during the whole situation. And just a few months later, so Scott's like cleared eventually. They're like, he like met her. And he's quoted saying things like, at this point, I know it was an alibi. Kent uh, kind of followed her like a puppy. Uh-huh. Like he's very, he seems like the one that actually was like, Okay. I know what was going on too, but also, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So also, he, he was also working a lot, so he was probably, he probably, she probably wasn't his only Michelle, is all I'm gonna true, say. True, true that, homie. Um, so during uh, the whole situation, John and Michelle actually both ended up moving out of Alaska oh. separately. Oh. Because there wasn't anything to prove that they were guilty. Yeah. They didn't have a weapon. I mean, they had hearsay, they had the letter, they had things that were like, we think these people did it. Right. There was a lot of... They, they're, apparently, all the evidence that they did have, they knew wouldn't work, like, in court or something. Yeah. So they just couldn't... And, yeah. I mean, you don't... If you're going to go forward, you want to make sure you have every, as much as you can all to pin them with. Mm-hmm. Right. So Michelle moved to Olympia, Washington. Oh. Not very far from here. Super non-suspicious <laughs> place to move. She's um, like, where can I think of that no one... Mm, there. Olympia. Olympia. Uh, she got her master's in public administration. 
oh shoot they straight up were gone they and, like, were they left lived lives yes elsewhere okay um and she married dr colin linehan uh, was he what 22 years older than her no he was like around the same age oh okay so she just and she then they ended up having her. a daughter oh so her life had become literally the definition of cookie cutter normal yeah and uh, while michelle was living this normal life a cold case team pulled this case back up oh good <laughs> you're I'm like happy about I'm it happy again. this is a cold case i'm into <laughs> so they were looking more and more into it knowing they needed to find the murder weapon they questioned a, su- a suspect that was a lot harder to question 10 years prior to this because he was only a minor oh the oh. son was yes. also in that house So, John Jr., who said his dad had bought the exact gun that they believed killed Kent just a few days before Kent was killed. Okay. And a few days after he was killed, John Jr. walked in on John and Michelle cleaning a gun that was soaked in chemicals. Uh, well, okay. So, there's your eyewitness. Exactly. Right? (laughs) You're like... Oh my God! So Thank you, kid. Because every time they tried to question him, uh-huh. John or Michelle would be in the room because he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was probably Michelle. I read Michelle somewhere, but it was probably just John because Michelle wasn't a legal guardian. Yeah, and his dad was probably like, "You don't tell them anything. You shut your mouth, mm-hmm. John Junior." Yeah, yeah. Oh. Coming from John Senior. Oh, jeez. Anyways, uh-huh. so they questioned Michelle again, and in 2006, she was indicted for Kent's murder. Good. The trial for John came first and was all over the place saying Michelle pulled the trigger, then saying that John Jr. lied about the gun situation because he was in a relationship with Michelle too. What? Yeah, it was oh, just geez. like, this is, they're just I like, mean, at this point, people would probably believe that though. Like, well, she was in a relationship with pretty much everyone. She's kind of been a little... It's not, it's... She on the can, open side. She can be open, but she is getting these people to propose to her and is saying And potentially, yes. like... Assisting in a murder of one. Yeah, you're not just having boyfriends. It's a little different. So they were basically just trying to take all of the blame off of John. Right. But there was some incriminating things that came out. Like emails back and forth through Michonne and John saying things like, this is a quote, the one I'd do anything in the world for, including give up my life. And then one email talked about leaving the country and never being able to be charged for any crime that was committed. Oh. For a certain amount of money. Uh-huh. That's a thing. But after all was said and done. And not suspicious. He was found guilty. Oh, on good, first good. degree morning. Mortar. On the first degree morning. <laughs> on the morning of murder. <laughs> um, so, first degree murder. Oh, man. So, then there was Michelle. Uh-huh. So, Michelle's trial, in every aspect, had turned into... She, like, in everybody's mind, she was now this doting wife. She had her master's. Right. She was married to a doctor. She had became, like, the ultimate soccer mom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but they were like, we need to bring up her past. Uh-huh. We need to bring up We We see who where she, she is now. It's great, but it turns out she's a really good liar. Yeah, and I mean, there's a there's some quotes in there from detectives that were doing this case, and they're like, she is a master manipulator. Absolutely. Like, this, this even person, this soccer mom, is not who she really is. This is the persona she has decided to live in. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is just another pa- pair of pants she put on, which... I can kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have no choice but to live in those pants because you killed someone. So now you really gotta... You literally killed someone. Yikes. So they started to bring up her past and they mentioned things like Michelle's favorite movie 
was The Last Seduction, which is about a woman killing her husband for her for his money. Okay. So, Boring. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and about the manipulation, like, with the men in her life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of emails were pulled up. She would be emailing, like, one of the guys saying, oh, my God, I want to, you're the best thing that's happened in my life. I don't know what I would do without you. The other okay. one would be like, oh, my God, I'm picking out my wedding dress. It's so beautiful. The other one would be like, oh, my God, last night was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh-huh. That one's not true. But things like that. <laughs> those, okay. So along those, those lines, she's okay. like, you can tell she's master manipulating in these emails. She, um, emails get everyone in the 90s. <laughs> right? You guys yeah. you guys didn't know what you had coming. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Um, yet. So. And so this is those three same dudes, or this is just a bunch of different dudes? So these are the three same dudes three same, that okay, it mentioned. Okay, so she's emailing them. Okay. Yeah, so she held like a five-week trial, mm-hmm. and after two days of deliberation, Michelle was found guilty of in charge with first-degree murder. Absolutely. I'm surprised it took two days. Well, I guess that's a lot of info to go back over. Yeah. And I mean, there's a little... If you're skeptical, mm-hmm. who knows? Mm-hmm. So in 2008, John was in a prison fight. Okay. And he was killed. Oh, no. So, I mean, he may have killed someone. Yeah, I, I didn't... I, I said, oh, no, but you know You what? didn't mean it. No, I didn't. But just two years later, in February of 2010, an appeals court reverses the conviction of Michelle for murder. Why? They said the letter that Kent wrote should not have been admissible, and the movie was just a movie. I mean, the movie is just a movie. That's true. I, I obsess That's over a Harry Potter. speculation. Yeah, it's just, it's whenever they bring in like, and it was this rock band that made them blah, 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 or it was this movie that made, I'm like, okay, you need a stronger defense than that. But also, she probably had something to do with it strongly. Very strongly. Well, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about all laws in all states, mm-hmm. but in Alaska, if she encouraged it, mm-hmm. she can be she charged was, with yeah, she was, first degree murder. So, eating like anything, I don't know, I just yeah, can't. but she could be charged with it of uh, the full crime uh-huh. because she was part of it. I mean, she truly was, she and was waiting yeah. for these three men to turn on them. But so, in February of 2010, it was reversed, and she is free. Oh, fart sauce, maybe in Olympia, <laughs> maybe not very far away. <laughs> I just googled Olympia today. I'm looking her up. <laughs> I imagine she's probably under some. Yeah, I tried alias. to like when you were here, and I was just sitting here, and I was like, oh, I'll try to look something up real quick. And I had looked more, but I was like, oh, I'm just gonna try again. I couldn't really find anything about where she's exactly at now. Like the last one, there was something in like 2018 where the case was brought up again, uh-huh. but it didn't say anything about where she is now. So I don't know. She could be my neighbor. I thought for sure the end of this, you're going to be like, and now she's married to John Jr. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh but I would have believed it. Dude, I would have believed it. <laughs> but I mean, she has a daughter and her oh, husband yeah. basically said like, her husband calling the doctor was mm-hmm. like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Like, oh, she, this is not her. Yeah. You guys are explaining somebody like she had told me her background and she's not the woman that you're explaining. Yeah, but... She probably didn't tell you her background, Everything. like to the degree. That like it I was living be. with three men in. I had them all convinced each other was gay <laughs> and that we were all engaged. And we were all engaged. That's not a story. No, she was probably like, I used to live with three gay guys. <laughs> that was probably it. that was probably the extent of her story. Oh, and one of them got shot and killed. Yeah, one the of end. them accidentally died. Yeah. What the heck, man? <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, dude, that's great. That's great. 
That was I mean, great. it was awful. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh, sorry, guys. Oh, man. Hopefully no one's just tuned in right now. I was and like, they're like, you're an awful human. This great. Okay. And Different definition, lady. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I was almost going to correct some things that I had, I listened to the first part of our last episode today, and I said some things, and I was like, what? No, Ronica. Shh. <laughs> so, uh, sorry if I offend y'all. <laughs> like, we don't mean to offend. I truly, I am not the smartest person, and I am not the most offensive person. I swear that those are not who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's nothing is malicious here. It's all just yeah, us being us, joking around. And if you are still here, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate yeah, here's some deep crimes for y'all this week. You're welcome. Welcome back. Back with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Crime Lives out. <laughs>